In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want you to think about a time when you needed to do something, like some job, some task, some test, some responsibility that you had to do, but you just couldn't bring yourself to do it. And the fact that you couldn't do the thing that was right before you really weighs on you. Um, But even when you dig down deep, you know you just don't have it in you to do the thing that you are supposed to do. That is your job. And then, in that moment, someone somehow steps in and does it for you. And so this person doesn't do the thing for you as like a favor. Not a favor that you would then feel obligated to pay back. And this is crucial. The person doesn't just take your hand and come alongside of you and say, look, you can do this. I'm going to be right there with you. I'm going to be right with you. uh, And you can do this. And I'm going to help you. That's not what happens either. But this person does this thing for you. In your place. And they do it for you because they love you. And they care for you. And then when it's done, the weight's gone. And the obligation is is finished. And the job is done. I had uh, that experience in a powerful way right after my father died a few weeks ago. Christy and I were on the way to the nursing home in Crozet around 10.30 on a Saturday night. Uh, when we, uh, we, right after the call came in that he died. And we had our farm service scheduled the next day, and I was supposed to celebrate communion, and you know, you're not thinking um, clearly in a moment like that. And I was thinking, oh no, what do I do? I need to be there tomorrow morning and to celebrate communion. How do I do this? And then around midnight, it became obvious that we would be in no shape to to be ready for the next day. And not only that, um, I realized that I needed the next week anyway to, to grieve and to, well, just to attend to all the things that um, you have to attend to in the wake of, of any, any death. And then so very quickly, in a matter of just a few moments, uh, that early Sunday morning, and a few texts and a few phone calls, uh, I was able to offload all of my church responsibilities for the coming week to my wonderful friends who also happen to be my work colleagues. And they immediately took everything off my plate. And they did it with such willingness and such attentiveness. And as a result, of course, I felt um, so loved and so fully cared for. And again, people didn't fulfill my responsibilities abilities with me. They just did them. They said, you don't worry. I've got this. You take the time you need, and I'm going to do this for you. In today's gospel passage, we have yet another round of questions designed to test and trap Jesus. Week after week after week, the authorities have tried and tried and tried to trap Jesus with questions, and he stymies them every time. So this time, they decide to bring out the big guns. They bring out the wiliest and perhaps, I don't know, the most disreputable one among them. 
And who is that person? Well, here's what it says in the text. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. It's a lawyer they bring out. Now, as one who's endured his fair share of preacher jokes, I'll use the floor for just a little lawyer levity, with apologies to the lawyers out there. A man went to a lawyer and asked what his fee was. $1,000 for three questions, answered the lawyer. Isn't that a little steep? Asked the man. Yes, said the lawyer. Now, what's your third question? Ha. Speaking of questions, unlike the other questions posed to entrap Jesus, Jesus answers this question straight up. Here's the text. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. There's no irony. There's no subterfuge. There's no evasion. There's just a simple answer to the question. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And he even expounds on the answer with a second answer. And love your neighbor as yourself. Well, why the straight answer this time? Well, for anyone with even an ounce of self-awareness, that answer is a showstopper. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Love your neighbor. Yes, that neighbor as yourself. No freaking way. Only the seriously deluded think that they could have a shot at following that law. And if Jesus' answer sounds familiar, it should. Um, it's at the beginning of our Right One Communion service. It's called the summary of the law in the prayer book. After the minister recites that passage, the congregation gives a response. Do you remember what it is? Well, it's the only sane response available to us. It's, Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. And again, the translation is, we don't stand a chance of doing what you command, Lord. We can't get this right. We will always get it wrong. Now, the good news of the Gospel is that Jesus answers the question for you in all kinds of ways. He answers the question for you. Not with you. He answers it for you. In other words, He passes the test for you. He does the job for you. He completes the task of following that command perfectly for you. In theological terms, this is called the vicarious atonement. Now, the vicarious atonement, stick with me here, it's not as heady as it sounds. Um, you know, parents are said to live vicariously through their children. In other words, when a child accomplishes something, then the parent feels that great accomplishment too. 
A recent example for us is our dear friend Joe. She's been working on a novel for 15 years, and last week she called us to tell us that the publishing house Faber, which is Britain's uh, best publishing house, and Joe is British, um, bought the rights to her novel and gave her a huge advance. And publishers in other countries, including the U.S., are bidding on her novel. Uh, somebody says it's a debut novel that really reads like a masterpiece. Faber only publishes five novels per year, and Joe's is going to be the top novel of 2022. Now, Christy and I did not write a single word of that novel, but we're still on cloud nine, vicariously, since she called to give us the news. And stay tuned. We'll have Joe do an exclusive reading in Mead Hall when she comes to do her tour in America. Vicariousness. Finally, UBI basketball fans are thoroughly familiar with vicarious achievement, aren't we? When we won the championship, we won, didn't we? Even though we didn't play a minute of the game. Now I'll close with an example used by a minister friend of vicarious atonement. When uh, this man was a small child, he was watching Walter Cronkite on the news waiting for Neil Armstrong to descend onto the moon. And some of you are old enough to remember where you were and when you were watching that moment too. And as Armstrong says famously, one giant leap for mankind, people all over the world respond in tears. Why? Well, it's something humanity has dreamed about since the beginning, not just one man, but all of humanity. And his accomplishment, Armstrong's, was our accomplishment. It doesn't matter what language you spoke, what country you were from. Humanity could say, we made it to the moon. In Christ Jesus, friends, one of Adam's sons finally got it right. He loved the Lord, his God with all his heart, mind, and soul. He, on the cross, loved his neighbor, loved all neighbors, loved you and me as himself. One of us finally gave God the obedience that he had wanted all along. And through Christ's accomplishment for us, not with us, then we are called children of God through the gift of His Holy Spirit. The job is done. The weight is gone. The obligation is finished. Jesus has answered the question for you. Amen.